welcome to Bonte Vista. Um, you have just walked into a large kitchen. And who should you see there but me, Andrew, standing behind a counter. I'm noodling around. Uh, over there is uh, Ben. Hi, Ben. Hey. Ben's fumbling about with some spaghetti, uh, trying mm. to get it out of the packet. It's all fallen on the floor. He's trying to pretend like he didn't see it. We all saw it. <laughs> uh, over here is Theo, covered in flour. Hey. That is my natural state in the kitchen. It's actually um, true. Yeah, and here's me uh, cracking open a big egg. And um, what's inside the egg? It's not the yolk you're expecting. It's knowledge. <laughs> God it's knowledge it. and discourse. <laughs> and we're serving up a big batch of it today. Uh, we also have a guest with us. All the way from the United States. Um, we have video essayist and pop culture commentator... Uh, Shannon Strucci. Hello. I'm in the kitchen, hey. too. I don't know what I'm doing. He's uh, uh, awkwardly perched do. on a stool in the corner. <laughs> I'm sitting wondering, like, oh, I'm excited. <laughs> I don't know what's wondering happening. What we're cooking, wondering what we're cooking with uh, dried pasta, one egg, and a lot of flour. <laughs> it's the makings of a great meal, a feast. A classic spaghetti pizza. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I can't believe um, you'd subject our guests to this. This is normally <laughs> reserved just for us. <laughs> Well, somebody, uh, a listener wrote in and said, what happened? What happened to your, um, what happened to your rambling scenarios at the beginning of episode? Who is this visitor? Name them. Yeah, that's right. I'll, I'll dig it up so that you can personally, um, accost them. I will. Are they on the discord? I will enact. I just don't feel like anyone has ever spoken fondly about a phenomenon that they described the word rambling. (laughs) Um, So uh, Shannon Shannon is on uh, YouTube at Strucci Movies And Shannon makes uh, video essays About a variety of I guess um, Like cinema and media And pop culture related stuff Mm -hmm. Is that fair? Yes (laughs) Absolutely There are are movie reviews um, Various things like that um, but what we thought we might talk to Shannon about today is a an essay that you did um, sort of in the second half of last year, uh, which was the second installment of your Fake Friends series, uh, Fake Friends Episode 2, Parasocial Hell, uh, which was on Polygon's 2018 Best of uh, Video Essays list. It was. I just saw, just saw very recently, which was cool. Um, and I assume it's been receiving acclaim in other areas too. Um, I've certainly seen it mentioned around the place. So, I guess just to kick us off, do you want to do you want to give us like your your capsule definition of a parasocial relationship? Um, sure. A parasocial relationship is a one-way relationship. Um, it comes from this like study or like, not really a study, but this paper that was published in 1956, and they said parasocial as opposed to like orthosocial so like para is like beside or outside of so it's like a one-way relationship with like a fictional character or a celebrity or any number of things it's an illusion of a friendship or a relationship when in reality the the person on the other side of it either has no idea that you exist or doesn't exist so just just a relationship that is in no way shape or form being reciprocated by the other mm-hmm. party, whether, whether that is a celebrity or a cardboard cutout. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I just realized that um, there is, of course, the whole body pillow aspect. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know. I didn't. I don't think I mentioned those in the video. <laughs> yeah, there's just, just so much to, to talk about. I know that, like you said, there's so many, there's so many different ways. Um, uh, of course, we would recommend that if you would like to get a more sort of fleshed out version of that definition that you should definitely watch fake friends part one first which is a um a 20 minute piece that more sort of outlines those origins of the term and all of those kind of original academic studies that i suppose um formed the basis of of where you jumped off to from there is that correct mm-hmm. although yeah. that the original piece was more about like uh, early television presenters because they were the first people mm. to really capitalize on it or actually like there was a woman I think her name was Kate Smith who uh, an American woman during World War II who did like war bond drives 
and she really cultivated a parasocial relationship with her audience, but a lot of that was set in the 50s, so I took... I mean, a lot of people have taken that and applied that to um, the internet. There are a ton more studies that I want to cover in the third episode, but I took it and specifically applied it to, like, Let's Players and anime stuff <laughs> and sort of um, how through different cultures in the past, like, 10 years, it's become this, like, huge, to me, like, disease, <laughs> this, like, huge problem that's making people miserable. Yeah, it's it's very interesting to watch that evolution from uh, the stuff that you were talking about in the, in the 50s and 60s from, like, uh, you know, television presenters and, and radio presenters sort of moving away from the more formal uh, manner of speaking to a large audience to just starting to speak to people the way that they would actually be listening to the material which is in like sing as single people or small groups in a home mm -hmm. which is the reality of how most people would listen to the radio um as opposed to in like a, a large formal audience and started to become more intimate and personal but uh yeah as you said as soon as you get into the world of of like uh youtubers and streaming and all that sort of thing suddenly there's this two-way street that opens up that, that immediately completely changes um, completely changes the entire thing mm -hmm. um, do you remember anything, was there like any specific piece of content or uh, a creator or anything that, that made you think I want to really go a lot further into this um, it was there's someone that I know who told me they were cutting back on their parasocial relationships, like certain YouTube channels that they watched, um, including some that I really liked, and some where I knew the people who run the channel. And I was like, what is this parasocial thing? And then I was like, oh, this is really weird. And I think a lot of it was because I know people who do like podcasting or YouTube and how insane fans can be, and also how just like psychologically taxing it can be to feel the need to maintain your audience emotionally. Um, I wanted to research that more. And then some of the papers I read on it were just horrifying. Like, there's one I'm going to cover later about developing intelligent characters for children. Like, something like Dora the Explorer or, like, Elmo, but, it like, like, the child thinks it's real and they want the child to confide in it. And it was, like, the creepiest thing I had ever read. <laughs> and just the potential for these relationships to be exploited and for people to be manipulated. And I, no one else was really talking about it, especially in the video essay sphere. Because, I mean, academics have talked about it, but I had not... It was not a term I was familiar with, and I have a degree in, like, uh, video production, film studies kind of stuff. I was like, why haven't I ever heard of this? Why haven't, you know... I felt like it was something worth talking about. So, so with the, um, with the uh, issue of, like, children developing these inappropriate relationships, what, what, were they, what were those relationships sort of looking like? Because I'm not... Andrew probably has a better idea of, of what this what this looks like, but I have not mm -hmm. seen like kids' videos on YouTube that much uh, recently, or, or dealt with you know the, these these Elmo toys or, or what have you. Like, so what do those what do those look like, and what do the relationships start to look like um, that that kids build with these? Well, that was a specific. It was like a proposed idea right. of having a character that ages up with children specifically to keep the child attached to it so the child oh, would literally God. confide in it to like yeah. get information from the child um, and it was like for educational purposes uh, i know that like children's youtube is a nightmare for different reasons because it's just like unintelligible garbage with a lot of weird oh, I've, I've sexual aspects to avoid it to so it. far and um, i'm very happy about it but you're you're right it is this weird fever dream of just cookie-cutted kind of nightmare fuel um, that makes no sense. Um, it is. It's a bizarre thing, but it's that it's its own phenomenon um, on its uh, on its own sort of thing. But um, because it kind of reminds me a lot of this this um, other thing that you mentioned in the second video, where um, they they you were talking about parasocial relationships with um, appropriately this this weird seal robot. Um, I love the seal. Called, called Paro. I want to be friends with the seal so much. <laughs> I love Paro. I like Paro actually. This this cute, horrifying little uh, <laughs> white white hell robot uh, that responds to your touch and learns learns uh, how to please you. Learns apparently. how to please you. Wants to and extract how, your pats. And how to serve you. And um and 
and there was just one one sort of line in there where, um, and I, I'm not sure if it was in relationship to Paro or or just in general the the concept of like carer robots where um, they were seeing. Um, uh, vulnerable elderly people form the wrong bonds with the with with these companions and and learning um, the wrong the wrong cues and I kind of thought that sort of applies like that would apply across the entire spectrum right from from mm-hmm. children to elderly to people that that socially may be um, you know vulnerable is that like the case that you saw uh, across the spectrum that's even mentioned in that first piece. Um, I mean, they don't use the best language in it, but it's something about like people who are isolated or they use the word like invalids. I think they mean like people who are disabled yes. or people who are. Um, and I think a, a lot of people who responded to my video too are like people who are agoraphobic or people who are on the autism spectrum or I guess people who are older. Uh, just anyone who there is some kind of impediment to them forming what you would call like a normal a relationship with people whether it's their fault or not or whether they're you know and some people are just awful people who nobody wants to be friends with and i think i get comments from people like that too who are just like mad <laughs> but there are other people who it's easier it's easier for anyone to just watch a youtube video or hold a stuffed animal than actually go out and put themselves out there and make actual relationships um i do think there's the element of our society is a lot more stratified. People are very alienated and desperate for community because a lot of traditional community has been kind of phased out um, and people are more atomized and like I said, alienated and stuff. So they're turning to like they can watch a, a streamer or they can play a video game or yeah. whatever. I mean, there are fewer uh, more than they like would have. Yeah. Yeah, there's like fewer physical villages these days where you'd mm-hmm. go and you'd interact with a lot of people. So all those villages are sort of like online now where you go to hang out in these circles. And there's stuff like uh, mukbang videos are really popular where someone just sits there and eats on Excuse camera. Me? They're called, they're, they came from Korea. They're called mukbang, M-U-K-B-A-N-G. And it's just someone eating. And you feel like you're less alone when you're watching them eat in a stream. Our people will binge eat and do YouTube videos. Yeah, that's the, yeah. The, there's like the, uh, the whole sort of subsection of Twitch that is like people eating, isn't it? Like just eating, and I don't think. I mean, there's. I'm sure there's some of it that has some weird like sexual aspect, but I think it's someone's lonely and they want to eat. Feel like they're eating with someone, so they'll f- put it, find a Twitch streamer that they like that does the mukbang videos, and that's pretty sad. I don't know. Um, well, I don't think there's... that's like awful, but oh man, I'm just, just looking at the Wikipedia clip. article, and just this phrase <laughs> is tickling me so much. Foods ranging from pizza to noodles. The entire <laughs> spectrum <laughs> of human foods. Of food. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's what um, we're making in the kitchen. Yeah. Yes. Pizza For all and our noodles. Listeners. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I've, I found it interesting that there was a lot of... You featured like a lot of Bo Burnham clips mm-hmm. um, through throughout. And like, it took me a little bit to sort of make the connection while I was watching because... I'm mainly familiar with Bo Burnham from his, like, one-hour stand-up specials. So, you know, like, by by the point where he is a, a very established comedian. Um, but I guess what, what sort of didn't click with me until a, a reasonable part of the way through is that he, you know, he obviously makes a lot of statements where he's very, very critical of this type of relationship. He thinks it's very unhealthy and toxic for both the artist and the creator. Um, you know, he thinks it really sort of, it really sort of, um, pollutes and unhealthily influences the creator's output, um, and that there obviously should be some kind of division between the two, uh, between the creator and the audience. But yeah, it took me quite a while to have it sort of click in my head. Oh yeah, Bo Burnham, Bo Burnham got big from doing YouTube videos, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Like he's he did been, edgy he's been YouTube around. Songs. Yeah, he's been around for like you know, do, over sort of 10 years of starting off doing that kind of stuff. And obviously he's been able to parlay that into, um, you know, touring and doing stand-up and uh, recording specials and now directing movies. Um, it, like, I, I thought it was really interesting as well in the context of his movie that has come out recently, Eighth Grade, or like at some point last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a lot of the a lot of the sort of reception to that was 
that it was a like a very 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 honest portrayal of just you know having a hard time as an eighth grader but not in a sort of exploitative way i suppose um i thought that was a, a very very interesting sort of way to interesting light to cast his output as an artist now in considering seeing all of that sort of stuff where he he clearly really thinks that the way a lot of this sort of stuff is done is just purely corporate exploitation of young people and their needs emotionally i think it's funny also that while he's he's still fostering parasocial relationships but now he's aware of it like quite clearly he even in his stand-up he like he calls it out mm-hmm. but he's still out there and it's still it's still occurring and that's sort of like the the irony i think of being of being self-aware about it as well that he's still i guess impressioning on on all of all of these people it's like how many layers of parasocial relationship are you on right now You're like a little baby <laughs> Watch this. I, th- I think I think what's what's different and interesting about him though is that um, a lot of the stuff that he says during his specials and some of his songs is I I interpret it as like a very clear attempt to acknowledge that sort of stuff and to then like make his own attempts to set boundaries like he he says a lot of things that are like very explicitly like I am not your friend. I'm not the person who's going to solve some problem in your life for you. I'm not a substitute for a real relationship. Like, it seems like the kind of thing that, you know, could obviously potentially be alienating to an audience, but he clearly feels, you know, so uh, discomforted by that type of relationship that he feels the need to actually attempt to set some kind of boundary with his audience. Um, and, and, you know, you you don't really have a, a lot of material from other people making uh, statements about that sort of stuff that is that, I, I guess, that stark, Shannon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I'm sort of forced to assume that he's one of the few people kind of acknowledging and pushing back on that kind of stuff in that sort of way. Even other artists like, um, you know, you have a bit where the singer of the Decemberists is talking about um, one of their songs and, and you know, kind of in part acknowledging their own intrinsic relationship with their fans. But even then, I feel like a lot of artists still feel that they, they have to couch what they're saying in these terms of like, we're, we're grateful, we appreciate that, you know, we can do this because of our fans and we're very thankful for that and that they have to sort of couch it in these terms of like appreciation for having an audience even if there are aspects of it that make them uncomfortable whereas Bo Burnham seems much more like he's saying like nope I just don't like this stuff <laughs> <laughs> which it yeah it's a difficult and scary thing to do or at least it was for me because you can find such a comfort in people telling you that like oh you're a good person or I lo- your videos mean so much to me and I just really want to support you and the people don't like it when you're like, you don't know if I'm a good person. You have no idea what I'm like in real life, mm. and you need to acknowledge that and stop sending me these messages. I know, like, even stuff that isn't creepy or, like, or inappropriate, there's still an assumed intimacy. Uh, and I'm a video essayist. I'm not, like, a comedian or, like, an actor, and I, I talk about some personal stuff in my videos, but I try to keep boundaries. And some stuff I keep very, very private, and people still do this stuff with me. Even after I've made the parasocial videos, people still send me weird messages or are overly familiar. Um, They'll send me weird messages about them. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I was watching your video on parasocial relationships and I just thought like, oh, we've known each other our whole life. (laughs) (laughs) I watched you talk for two hours about a topic and now we're best friends and I learned nothing from anything you've ever said (laughs) on the internet. Yeah, because it affects, I mean, it affects you, that kind of sometimes beautiful connection you can have with a fan if you've helped them or, or their response has helped you you're kind of sacrificing some of that and you're sacrificing your money um i'm sure i would have way more patreon money if i put my face on camera more if i was friendlier if i was more open you know and i don't I, that just makes me feel really uncomfortable and weird i don't think it's bad when other people do that like other video essays talking to the camera and that's fine but i feel like oh that's weird i'm not looking into anyone's eyes 
I'm not making eye contact with anyone through a camera. I don't want to simulate that. I would never do like well, a vlog. It's weird. Yeah, that and that's I guess uh, you know a whole separate kind of content now and something that like um something that you know people like our, our friends over at Chapo Trap House when they have talked about like um you know the the real proliferation of of like right wing and weird race science YouTube. <laughs> and how now it's it's really easy for people to essentially like radicalize themselves to a cause of you know being an mra or or just being a, a weird right winger because you can sit and you can watch a four hour long video of like jordan peterson staring straight into your eyes as he mm -hmm. honk honkingly weeps about <laughs> about whatever it is that he's talking about and but you can like, watch yeah, father you have your dad you have your yeah, yeah. dad exactly. <laughs> telling you to like, clean your room. <laughs> and uh, it's not just, I mean, in the case of... Eyes. <laughs> well, in, in the case of, of your material, you know, like you said, there are, there are like, um, small flashes of, of where you, you know, insert some personal connection or, or something that has had an impact on you on a personal basis. But you're also, like, like you said, it's not you staring into the camera and saying this is about me mm. um it's it, there's obviously a clear division and the whole time you sort of mainly you know i, I would say like 99 percent of the time you are into splicing it with the material that you are talking about and showing extended cuts of the material that you're talking about and i think that that goes a really really long way to um helping a viewer or, or even forcing a viewer to consider what you're talking about in the context in which you're talking about it. As opposed to, like you said, if, if you were doing like a vlog for, you know, an hour straight, it's, it, it's really difficult. It suddenly becomes quite difficult to separate that from partially being about you as opposed to about the subject. Um, but I guess the, the vlogging gets us into the area that, that a big part of it concentrates on which is streamers and youtubers which is really the that that whole type of market and content and audience that just genuinely did not exist 10 or 15 years ago uh and that's that stuff's pretty wild like especially considering that um i i have never really watched a great deal of that stuff i'm sure that it's partially because of my age and that I am very explicitly not the target market for people like PewDiePie and uh, Jack Skeptikeye and Markiplier and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and as you put it at points in the essay, like at the time of a Jack Skeptikeye video that you were talking about, he had, you know, he's Irish and he had as many subscribers as there were in the country he's from. As, sorry, as many subscribers like, as there were people in the country he's people from. People in the whole country. That was when he was at 4 million. He's over 20 million now. Oh, God. It's like five yeah. times the population. And he, when he had the 4 million, he was like, I just, he was like crying on camera, being like, I just wish that I could reply to all of you. I feel so terrible that I can. It's like, there are 4 million people, man. Stop. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah. well, that's um, and I guess like you were saying, once once you start to see people trying to please everybody in their audience it very clearly just becomes this this crippling weight on them i mean the clips that you had of of jack skeptic in there you can you can just see how much of the time he's coming off as like really insecure and anxious and and like genuinely it it really seems like it, there is just this genuine overwhelming fear in his life of mm -hmm. doing something to turn a significant portion of his audience away from him. And it must just be a crushing weight to try and That's deal like, with. When he talks about, I haven't left my house in weeks uh, and all this sort of stuff, because he makes, I'm sure, millions of dollars um, and has this life that people aspire to, but he's more alienated than anyone and it was, it really was that moment of that particular video where he's watch he's playing a fan game where someone in the game is talking to him and they're like, I just wish, I just wish that he could see me. And then he gets so upset at this completely unrealistic, weird goal 
of having a personal connection with four million different people. And the fact that they expect that of him and demand that of him every single day. And then more recently, after I put the video out, he and his girlfriend broke up. And the response to that was just absolutely insane and weird. Um, about like all the, the how intrusive people are into everyone, the people's relationships. I don't talk about my dating life at all on the internet ever. Uh, and I still get weird questions about like, are you an H-bomber guy dating? Like someone kept sending me a poll they made on Twitter asking Jeez. if I was H-bomber's girlfriend, like over and over and over again. Very healthy, very <laughs> Real healthy. normal stuff, because uh, he's my friend and I'm a woman. So obviously, I mean, we make videos together. So he's my boyfriend. That's exactly like, it's, it's this weird sexist thing. But anyway, yeah, the, and I had not planned to make the uh, montage of different YouTubers asking people not to come to their house. Oh, I only yeah. knew about the PewDiePie one, but then I started finding more and more and more, and I was like, mm. okay, let me cut all these together and just... I, I did want the essay to be very, very confrontational and very upsetting, because I don't want people to be like, oh, it's not a big deal. What These people have money. What are you? What are they complaining about? Um, because also, like, they do have... Like, people get very wealthy off of this, but the platforms could collapse at any minute. And there are a lot of lower level YouTubers who put up with the same stuff who don't have any security. Even like someone like PewDiePie doesn't have the same amount of money as like a big Hollywood celebrity who has more access to security. Um, I think every he said he's lived in six different places and every single one a fan has come to his house. So this is something that, that interested me and, and especially that, that segment um, with all of the YouTubers like in succession. Um, being like, what? What is? What, why would you do this? Why would you come to my house? <laughs> um, and, and something that you you say in there, especially where where a lot of these people didn't didn't sign up necessarily for the kind of mega celebrity that you the conscious choice that you make when you take a leading role in a multi million dollar film or, or, or something like mm-hmm. that. You know, George Clooney's the example that that you give. And there's that, but there's also to me, it seems like that this whatever little bit of celebrity that they that they get and even lower level YouTubers, it seems to be just so, so much um, magnified versus what a Hollywood celebrity might get. Like the, the, the actions and the behavior of the fans as far as um, the weird kind of parasocial relationships that they set up and the, the, their total inability to understand boundaries seems far worse for, for this generation of, of, like um, YouTubers and streamers and, and and that sort of thing is that a, is that a fair assessment? I think so. I think also, I think K-pop fans and idol fans are the worst. I That's didn't true. Talk about yeah. them. They're completely insane. But for YouTubers, because they're talking into the camera and they're saying, "I consider you my friend. I want you to feel like you're my friend," in the way that they interact with people at conventions. I'm not saying it's their fault that they get abuse. But they do facilitate that relationship more that George Clooney isn't going to sit there on a camera and be like, you're my friend. And I like, he doesn't need to. He doesn't want to. Um, Kevin Spacey does a bit of that in House of Cards, but I don't think people are <laughs> well, big fans anymore. That, was it like Christmas? Nobody's answering, though. No. When he put out that video? Because I know I was showing it to my family members, that video he put out on YouTube. No, I, ref- I refuse. I refuse to watch that. That was a nightmare. That was horrific. I was like showing my mom. I was like, what is this? Oh, that's yeah, so... I guess he's trying to... Or go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, uh, and uh, that, that to me is, like, another just perfect crystallized example of just a completely new phenomenon in media now. Where, like... Absolutely. J- like, imagine trying to explain to somebody 15 <laughs> years ago that, like, Kevin Spacey will be putting a, putting a video out on a social media platform in which he addresses his real audience... But as his character from a TV show, which he was forced to leave due to... Due oh, to I like, didn't know that part of it. Yeah. He did it in character. He did character. it in yes. character as it's Frank Post. It's the most patronizing thing in the world. Because you know he's doing it thinking, well, they're going to watch this and be like, that's the man from the TV. From- and be tricked. <laughs> but but I guess, I guess like, you know, from, from his perspective, yeah, he would have thought it was very clever because he would have been like, I'm doing this in in character as um, Frank House of Cardsman and and <laughs> Frank you know, O House Cards I believe his I'm, name is and I'm speaking to my audience the audience of people who I think are still Kevin Spacey fans 
and, but I'm doing it in character so that like I'm speaking in the context of the TV show that you know the character from about you know duplicitous snakes trying to bring me down but you all know what I'm really talking about which is all the accusations of sexual impropriety against me and and that to me is like a whole new frontier of the blurring of lines because that's now not just the blurring of lines between um, you know an artist and their audience but he's also blurring the lines between the artist the audience the character that he plays and the context in which that character appears um, and it's one great big gross grey mess really and I think we live the in hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is what this is. Parasocial hell. That's what I felt like. Um, I think, yeah, and I read the comments on that video, and a lot of people were really into it. I don't know what percentage, but I remember sitting there at my relative's house on a holiday or whatever for just a couple minutes looking, just being... I don't know why I was surprised that a, a fairly high percentage of people, it looked like, were like into it and defending him and be like, oh, hell yeah, Frank's back. I'm just like, wow, this is the worst thing in the world. This is awful. Um, also, you're not supposed to think the character's a good guy. No, you're not. Yeah. He's a piece yeah. of shit. <laughs> He's evil. Uh, is it the first scene? He breaks the dog's neck and then yeah. rational. I mean, he needed to. It's, whatever. I don't know. It's- <laughs> Everyone that watches the show and loves the show envisions themselves as that character, though. They're like, I am the power broker. I am the puppet master of <laughs> Get, the Woolworths that I work everyone. at. <laughs> I guess, uh, uh, like coming back to the coming back to YouTubers, something that I struggle with with this whole medium is that, um, like you know, as as my friends here will know, I I take my own glee in like uh, ripping on mo- movies or TV shows or whatever that I say I don't like. Like everybody, we're all normal, but but my genuine feelings about like different forms of of art and pop culture and consumption. Uh, are generally kind of um, informed by... I, I remember reading a Chuck Klosterman book called uh, Fargo Rock City. And it's, it's sort of... Um, it's about... It's kind of a memoir, but it's also about, like, um, uh, like the hair metal of the, of the 80s and early 90s and how a lot of different genres that didn't really get any critical acceptance or acclaim in their, in their heyday people have then turned around and kind of re-examined after the point and said, oh, actually, this thing's a cult classic. Actually, this thing's great and has value for all these reasons. Um, and he was sort of saying, like, hair metal never got that. But to him, he he was growing up in a... In, on, like, a farm in rural North Dakota. And for him, hair metal was, like, this this amazing alien thing that he got from outside of the the place that he lived and was a really really important formative part of his life and you know he he absolutely loved it and it expanded his horizons and changed his life and was a was a really important thing to him and so the general thesis of his book is if somebody gets something you know important or validating from a creation then it automatically has value uh, critics can't say, you know, this thing is without value and without worth because I didn't appreciate it. If enough people are, are finding value in a thing, then it has value. And that is sort of undisputable. And that's something that I kind of struggle with with the YouTuber stuff of, like you're saying, they, they have all these fans that, that love them and, you know, will sit and watch an hours-long thing and get really personally invested in them. And, you know, they, they do get, like, different people do get messages saying, this thing changed my life, you know? So, I think for, for people like me who've never really watched a lot of that stuff or got into it, it is still very alien. And, you know, you, you hear plenty of people who are, like, a bit older than me saying, there's people who watch other people playing games on the internet? I'm much younger than you when I say that frequently. (laughs) (laughs) Why wouldn't you just play the game yourself? Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, so it's difficult because I, I think, I think by its very nature, it clearly has value to a lot of people. So I, I find a lot of difficulty in dismissing it, but at the same time, like, like you're saying, you watch those videos of like Jack Skeptic, just, 
constantly just like begging his audience for love and and proclaiming <laughs> his love for them and it's really jarring you know um, um and like he especially jacksepticeye is more i i find his main content really annoying uh, he's very shrill and he yells a lot um and a lot of it is him playing up a character which i think he's consciously dialed back a little bit because he was had like a sort of a crisis of identity about not being that person but he's also super big about accessibility about being welcoming to marginalized people and his fan base about uh, supporting different charities and about uh, people who play games who have disabilities and making games more accessible to them. And his whole, some of it is a little self-helpy, but his attitude is very positive. And I think he does have overall a positive impact compared to someone like PewDiePie, who has who's, has bitten Shapiro on his show and has said the N-word and whatever <laughs> uh, on like a, a political level. Um, and what's interesting too is Jacksepticeye got his start through PewDiePie, so he's sort of like weirdly on the hook for stuff that PewDiePie does, or there's drama when he's like, I wish my friend hadn't said the N-word, and then everyone's like, you backstabbing cuck, idiot. <laughs> That's why I got my friend to read off Jack is a cuck in my video, and that was literally from one of those, his like, him talking about PewDiePie people, a whole bunch of people called him a cuck in a lot worse words than oh, I good. say. That kind of weird, trying to have a positive persona, but being connected to your friend who's just like a dumbass. Um, but yeah, I think his videos are positive overall, but you imagine that kid who could be making actual friends who could be a real emotional ballast and a real support, and they just spend 12 hours a day watching a, an Irish man scream at video games. It's like, it's like anything else, it's, it's healthy until you're overindulging in it and it's replacing actual relationships that you need as a human being. Yeah, I, I saw someone, um, one, one of our listeners um, asked about it. Um, or, or was talking, discussing it, um, and I didn't. They didn't say whether they wanted their name attached to this. So, um, the the concept that like um, people people who find um, introverted people that find social situations exhausting, right? So you you're, mm-hmm. you're faced with the choice of of wanting some sort of social contact. Uh, so. Um, but you don't want to go out because uh, that's uh, exhausting um, and it, it, it takes energy out of you, you know. Um, so imagine, like, if the computer in The Sims could fill your social meter, right? Like, that's a, that's a net positive, right? But, but they're not... How do you balance that against... Uh, and, you know, having this, this positive influence uh, as far as, you know, um, both socialising and... The like you said with with um, some of these guys that they're they're fostering you know positive attitudes um, towards you know marginalized people and all that sort of thing and how how do you balance that versus the concept that like you said they could be going out and actually you know making friends and perhaps this stuff might get easier maybe maybe it won't maybe you know I, I know from myself I'm at, at a point in my life where I don't think I'll ever find social situations entirely comfortable. Um, and then, and so, how do you, how do you balance those those two pulling kind of um, influences of um, you know is this good is it not good are we um, you know is it just self perpetuating um, the inability to form real relationships? I think it depends on the person too. Uh, a lot of it for me was very personal because I have pretty bad social anxiety, and I've had other problems. Uh, in my life with being very uh, shy and introverted, like you said. And when I was a kid, I was like, I, like I recently met up with my seventh grade science teacher and she was really, really surprised that I do YouTube and panel like conventions and stuff because I was so quiet and so just like trapped inside of myself mm. when I was a kid. So for me, I had to, like I remember in college going to help with a stage production like set up the play and, and do some set design or some set building and stuff. And I remember physically shaking, walking towards it because I was so nervous and it was over and over again, forcing myself to be around people because I was so lonely and I just couldn't handle just being on a computer. I did have like online friends too, which was cool. And which online friends are real friends that people are like, yeah. everyone's talking about parasocial relationships. I like my online friends. I was like, I never said it's a real person that you talk to. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's not, not a parasocial, parasocial relationship. This is a, you know, it's we, a we social talk. relationship. 
That's, right. That's a two-way relationship with someone who you could conceivably hang out with, and you don't have to hang out with them. You could talk to them on Skype. You could someone you can open up to, and you can yeah. share triumphs oh, together. You can, and talk you can to actually play video day. games with these people. Bad day, right? Like you can actually do this and have a, yes. have a relationship. If that's what you want from that relationship, you can have someone who is doing exactly the same thing in the opposite direction uh, on the other end of the you know of the internet. Very easily. I used to play TFT with my online friends. I racked up over like 200, like 250 hours or something when yeah. I didn't have a lot of friends in college. Like, and I still hang out with those people, you know, uh, whenever I travel or if, if they come down here. I've had some online friends since like 2005. But there are other people who have like mental health problems that are a lot worse than mine, are like physical problems where they can't leave their house, are people who have a lot more trouble reading social cues. So I can't. I don't want to 100% be like, it's so, like, you just have to work through it. But I do think anyone who is, like, capable of communicating with another, with another person, you can make a friend on Twitter. Or you could join a Discord server. Or I think they're, I don't know. Because I don't want to say, oh, it's easy and anybody can do it. You Because people get that impression from my videos, like, go outside, idiot, you nerd. I'm not trying to do that to anybody. Yeah. But I ha but I think That's people don't realize, job. too, that it was very difficult for me. Oh, yeah, every other people can, like, bully my audience for me, <laughs> so I don't need to do it. Uh, but I went through a lot of feeling very alienated. It's like, when I was in middle school, I moved schools in the middle of the year, and a bunch of my relatives died, and I had a bunch of other awful stuff happen, and I already had, like, problems, and I didn't have any friends during that period, and it was just, like, really, really, really rough to try to build myself back up from that. And then in high school, I started making friends, and it was like, oh, this is awesome. I am never going back <laughs> to, like, feeling so alone and just watching anime for, like, ten hours a day or whatever, um, which I used to do. Uh, or play video games all the time to fill the void. It's, like, it's, to me, much more fulfilling to, like, like you said, play with other people or, like, play D&D &D with my friends now or whatever. But I, I still, like... I've always really liked Red Letter Media's videos, and a lot of their best stuff is just them sitting around talking about movies. Um, but I don't, but I also have friends in real life that I also go see movies with, instead of just, like, living vicariously through a bunch of 40-year-old men in Milwaukee. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I really like their stuff as well, and I think, um, you know, some of the, some of the stuff that was very interesting about, like, them and I think, like, the Chapo guys, uh, a lot mm -hmm. of other people is these like I think that the commonality between those two is that they are people with very large audiences who not only I, th I think they not only don't make any active effort to foster like any form of personal relationship or anything with their audiences but they are at a lot of times like downright antagonistic towards it um, oh, they are. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, like you said in the essay, like, you know, Red Letter Media guys, they, they have an entire, like, um, an entire show off to the side, which is just making fun of comic book nerd guy YouTube shows, you know? Mm -hmm. um, the, the Chapo guys have, like, running jokes about... Their, their fans being squealing hogs and like do not send, <laughs> do not contact us about this stuff like if we email if we the do email Virgil stuff yeah email Virgil like do not contact me do not speak to me about this <laughs> and um and yet still as you said you, these these guys can post up material and if you go and look at like a, a subreddit full of their fans some enormous percentage of the comments are about their personal appearance um about wh whether or not they would like them if they hung out in real life like I, I i'd love to drink with these guys i think we'd be great friends and all this kind of stuff and it's just like what what have these guys ever done to indicate that they would be remotely interested in that i think it's it's very interesting to see that yeah, even in even in compared to like YouTubers, where that is very clearly a huge part of their attempts to market themselves is to say, "We are friends. I am your friend. I am here for you." Is that even content where people are saying, "Fuck off and don't talk to me"? <laughs> people still insist on attempting to create that kind of relationship. I think it's a funny joke that they're in on. It's just yeah, like an yeah. authenticity thing. It's like, oh yeah, all your fans suck. Haha. By the way, I'm gonna find your house. Yeah. <laughs> well, your fans suck, uh, except for I me, understand. the one. 
Except for me, the one who gets it. Well, that, yeah, I'm that's... the good one, so I'm going to spam memes referencing your stuff and drive you insane. I, I found like that that to be very tragicomic. The story about that that the streamer where this guy is, where he's just hanging out in his hot tub. This dude's just like poked his <laughs> head over the like the wooden fence, like, "Hey, how's it going?" <laughs> oh, I, are you Matt like, Shay? Yeah, that was the part of it that I love. Was he like, "Oh, hey, are you that YouTuber that I?" Oh, love? hey, funny, <laughs> funny seeing you here. <laughs> funny, funny seeing you from a, a backyard that I do not own. <laughs> what a weird and, coincidence. And, yeah, and, and and you know, Matt Shay is like, you know, why why would you think that I would be your friend? That that we what what impression did did I give you that this is like the way to to construct a friendship with with somebody sort of sort of thing and and i think it really gets back to the core of like what what these parasocial relationships are in that they they the the person on the other end truly feels like it's a friendship in a lot of cases Mm -hmm. like it's a it's like it's a real friendship like they are um like like the cutout anime girl is actually another penguin that they should be howling at just um, devote their life to it until they die. Yeah, ideally, yes. Um, <laughs> I, I guess, like, yeah, coming back from, I suppose, uh, types of content which do not ask people, you know, for their for their dedication or their devotion or anything like that. Um, if we swing back in the other direction, we get, um, you know, when you were talking about Taylor Swift um, during mm-hmm. this piece, and I thought that that was very interesting because. Obviously, I I guess what was interesting to me was that you sort of pinpointed a a bunch of pieces about Taylor Swift that very explicitly said the way that she cultivates relationships with her fans is deliberate and cynical. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like the the whole sort of, yeah, even like the, the meeting all the fans in real life and remembering their names and getting personal gifts for them and saying, okay, now you're part of the Taylor Swift universe. Put your credit card details here. And mm-hmm. like, uh, and go on Tumblr and tell everyone else how authentic I am and how great I am to you. I have your name written mm. in a notebook with some notes next to it so I know who you are, you disgusting weirdo, but I'm going to pretend to be... I mean, that's me being cynical, but it's like, these aren't... Yeah, ugh. It's, it's uh, so deliberately done and so publicly done there are people who can form friendships with their fans and have like a beautiful friendship like a specific fan but it's not going to be put on display as a a badge of authenticity yeah yeah and that that to me was more like um where you had a little bit in there about like a um a fan of the walking dead who had gone to a lot of meet and greets who had like Mm -hmm. died of cancer and then there was a seemingly very genuine um, display of grief from cast members of the show, but in a way that I, I don't think would have been like prompted or expected by anybody. Whereas with the stuff like Taylor Swift, th- that section was sort of interesting to me because it made me think about how there are like th- there's there's a list of pop stars that I think we we can all sort of think to ourselves like. If, if you were going to post a thing on Twitter being critical of um, anyone from this list, I'm going to say like Ariana Grande, um, Beyonce, uh, Taylor Swift, you know, there, there's just a list of people where if you were going to post like this person fucking sucks and I hate their music, you would just kind of hover your finger over the post button for a second <laughs> thinking I kind of don't want their audience to see this because they'll try and kill me thousands of them will assemble to try to destroy my life um, and I had a I had an interesting interaction with somebody on Twitter the other day where I just I posted what I thought was a very mild observation about what was the like top news item on Twitter which was that uh, Kesha had bravely posted a photo of herself without makeup well she has and freckles right she's got a lot of freckles wow. freckles are in she looks great wonderful good <laughs> stuff and and you know i just i just said this whole thing is is just kind of funny to me hey look this super conventionally attractive person has posted a picture of themselves without makeup and it turns out that they are even more attractive <laughs> like and and you know and and in my defense i specifically ended the post by saying do not yell at me um, <laughs> that'll do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, it always works yeah and um 
and you know several people sort of found this post and weighed in and said well actually she was abused and she's had an eating disorder in the past so it's really great that she's feeling good about some aspect of herself and i thought to myself sure that's fine um one young fan found this thing and was incensed and was like oh making yourself feel good by putting her down even though she almost died all capitalized from this eating disorder and she's been abused and all this stuff and i said uh, and i thought i'm just going to take the time to try and patiently have this conversation um and i said like uh, and i had this conversation for a while and i could not get this person to understand despite explicitly saying all of the following things i said i have absolutely no problem with kesha I don't think it matters at all what I think of the way Kesha looks, and it shouldn't. Um, it shouldn't matter at all what I think. I, I, I bear her absolutely no will. I am purely commenting on the observable trend of people like, you know, fating celebrities for posting makeup-free selfies. Uh, you know, heaping adulation on people who are known for being very attractive for posting makeup-free selfies. Um, and I could not get this guy to accept the fact that I was not personally attacking her. He was obviously really getting something from the idea that he was like coming to her defense. Mm -hmm. And and I think it's interesting that like Kesha, you know, she has her whole Dr. Luke situation of having been abused and uh, having had an eating disorder in her past. And I think that there's like, a again, some people might think that this is very cynical. Um, of me, I mean, but I think that there is an observable trend in some pop stars, like uh, people like Lady Gaga come to mind, where they have some type of trauma in their past that they have spoken to and that a lot of their audience has connected with. And that has now become like an indelible part of their public persona. Um, and it sort of gets to a point for me where I'm like, uh, how how much of this is legit and how much of this is a way for you to provide that personal connection with audiences that are often in a in a relatively like emotionally vulnerable stage of their life um yeah i, so, I sort of wonder about it. i mean in the case of taylor swift her whole trauma is like i hate fake friends and i broke up with some boys <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like, uh, and and it, but except it's like that is a huge indelible part of her persona is saying you should ignore haters, anyone who criticizes you is wrong, um, and and any boy that's ever broken up with you is a is a huge piece of shit. But but also like you get this this um, effect where then their entire brigade brigade has to come to their defense despite the fact that and this is you know i think a really like key part of of these weird relationships uh, despite the fact that one you know they'll they'll never appreciate it but two they're they're multi multi-millionaires um they can defend them themselves quite easily and they're also not reading any of these comments nobody's and i'm kind of also reminded of like all of the tech bros that kind of come to defend elon musk um, whenever anyone, um, you know, assails him for being a huge weirdo um, with bizarre thoughts uh, and actions, um, like that, they've um, they've built up all of these relationships, and part of that, part of having a relationship with someone, is coming to their defence when uh, when they're criticised or when they're when they're attacked. But it's really immaterial. I mean, it's just people fighting amongst themselves but it's not it, it doesn't come off that way when it's when it's occurring it's like this this yeah weird kind of thing of, of defending defending their friend but their friend is nowhere to be seen yeah won't someone please think of the billionaires mm. please <laughs> it's weirder too when it's brands when it's not even oh, people yeah. not even an actual human being or it's a property that you just get it's such a big part of your identity um, and part of that is the parasocial aspect and part of it is just like under like under capitalism not having meaning so your meaning is star wars or your meaning but corporations is are people now <laughs> yeah well, they I gotta mean, defend disney no I, yeah well, that's right look i mean nestle has committed huge water crimes uh, across the whole world but i do enjoy their chocolate 
So fuck you. <laughs> well, but I, I mean, we've we've certainly seen we've certainly seen recent examples of this with things like um, with things like you know the video game Overwatch, and all these oh, yeah. people who who have sunk mm. hundreds or thousands of hours into this game, and then they and then they say, by the way, one of the characters is gay. Video like, game man, you. not gay. Fuck you, yeah. not gay. <laughs> this fictional character who doesn't actually have a storyline, and you know. I'm not. I'm not gonna run around and shoot cartoon characters on this map as a gay, and people get incensed. People go nuts about it, and like uh, I think, I suppose like we we d- we have spoken a lot about the idea of like defending um, content or an artist or um, or you know a property or anything, but but that sort of stuff and and some of the brand related stuff leads to what to me is like probably an even weirder phenomenon, which is publicly breaking up with a brand or a product <laughs> like doing a post where you say well i guess that's it for you and me gillette raises right we've been together for years now but you finally betrayed me gillette know, dead now I... chick my new dad <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah like the same stuff like i saw a post um that a uh, friend of the show ed zitron um comically retweeted which was somebody doing like a i'm breaking up with blizzard post um, I can only assume that it's about like uh, what? What's the? Is it like Activision and? Oh no, it, it would have been Bungie. Maybe yeah, Bungie. That, it was Bungie. Yeah, and with the they're, Bungie they're and Activision sp- split. Yeah, they're splitting up with Activision, and this person had done this post where they were like very, very morosely laying out how they had like, you know, I've I've played these games for years, and I've played these characters for years, and I've now deleted my three characters, and I won't be playing these games anymore. And they're speaking about it like, you know, I I had to, it was like mice and men. I had to go down by the river with my big dumb friend and put a bullet in his head. Like they were killing their characters in these games, you know? And it's just, it's absolutely bizarre to see. And it really does lead you to that conclusion of like, you got to get some real relationships, man. You got to, you need to possibly not invest so much of yourself into like avatars in a game mm-hmm. wild stuff um yeah, i've never been like, like a big world of warcraft player but i imagine people get a bit like that about that as well i never played it because i know i would have gotten addicted to it i was big into neopets when i was like 11 i was spending all my time on neopets i was like oh, i don't need to go on wow that'll ruin my life but yeah it's the when your consumption or your parasocial relationships are your identity and someone attacks your identity you want to hurt them just as much as it hurt you. Um, I did a video about the anime and manga One Piece that is mostly very, 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 very positive. But there's a little bit where I criticize like the LGBT and woman representation in it, which is pretty bad. And I've gotten like sort of death threats about that from people who are so upset about like someone and like apologies this is like a very awful like transphobic thing to say but someone was like i hope you get your skull crushed by a trans mma fighter because i was like mildly critical of an anime and they were spamming like worse stuff than that on it and i was like that i don't get that on other videos like i have a video about political correctness that doesn't get comments that bad fake friends hasn't gotten death threat level i was like people the comment section on that one and i was like i don't want to make anime videos anymore well, i mean anime I should be a crime of... for this reason I think. <laughs> and it was like an overall i was like this the show helped me through grief and it affected how i draw and i've made so many friends through it and it was like it was sort of a surrogate friendship thing for me and i love it so much and i wish that the women were like not drawn all the same way with huge boobs and da 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 and someone's like you need to die for this and that was very it's like i would never make a video about star wars or marvel or dc because their fans are just it's so much of their lives that they'll just want to kill you. And it's like, oh, that's normal. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, like that, that sort of encapsulates like, yeah, the, the, the nature of and the, the problem with the parasocial relationships is the idea that like when people get really mad on behalf of a property and, you know, come to its defense or when people get incredibly upset about something and like, you know, publicly break up with their sneakers in <laughs> order to yell at Nike or whatever like you said they're they're feeling hurt and they need to direct that somewhere but the thing that they have this parasocial relationship with cannot ever they it can't see that and it can't be damaged by it you know it's a especially in the case of all the sort of content where 
you know, a lot of the time there isn't any one person that you can direct that at or to. I mean, with, with some of the stuff that we're talking about of like YouTubers and podcasters and stuff like that, I guess by, you know, by trying, you could get some hurtful messages to like some of one or some of the individuals involved in making the thing. But as soon as you're talking about something like a movie or a TV show or a manga or a brand or a product or any of those things, these things are all inanimate objects brought together by the efforts of hundreds or thousands of people. There is no one person that you can direct any of this anger at. Maybe just the intern on the social media account. Mm-hmm. It's probably just Which I'm that. sure will do a lot and make a big difference. <laughs> just <laughs> screaming at some intern. Well, um, before before we wrap it up, I was going to ask, do you have any do you have any particular like uh, portrayals of parasocial relationships in movies or anything that you that you like? Uh, I liked Ingrid Goes West. Which I haven't seen yet, but I've heard it's really good. It's good. It's not perfect, um, but I do think it's a good. Like I, a lot of people talked about eighth grade in that context, and when I watched it, I thought eighth grade was going to be more about the parasocial stuff, and eighth grade was awesome, but it wasn't as much. I would say Ingrid Goes West um, is about someone who ha- has a very sad life. Like she took care of her mother for a long time, and her mother died, and then she gets obsessed with this Instagram star and tries to be her best friend, like, moves to where she is and kind of, like, stalks her and how that escalates. I also really like World's Greatest Dad, which is an older movie. It's a Robin Williams dark comedy, sort of about, like, I don't want to spoil it, but it's about some people's perception of someone versus who they actually are and how that can be uh, cashed in on. And I do really like uh, Make Happy, that Bo Burnham special where he talks a lot about, I quoted that one a whole lot. Uh, some of the songs are really stupid and I don't like them very much, but some are very, very good. And at the end of it, he's very vulnerable. And I don't know if he's ever going to do comedy again. I mean, maybe he will, but that was three years ago. Well, it seems like he's in that um, Jordan Peele kind of space now, where he's he's directed a movie that was, like, uh, shockingly well-received. And it seems like he probably has the currency now to just do what he wants and probably doesn't have to return to comedy if he doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. Which is good. I don't think it... W- I mean, this is me having a parasol, which uh, fans love to point out in the comment section of the Bo Burnham video that I did. <laughs> it's like me for me. They're so funny when they say that I want him to be my boyfriend. Because I'm a woman who makes YouTube videos. It's really cool when I get comments like that. Oh, I love but, Mr. Gotcha. Uh, it's so good. Yeah, well, I have a Patreon. You know, so I'm a so. hypocrite for doing these. <laughs> People love pointing that out. Uh, well, I think it's safe to say for in our part, uh, we will never try and form a relationship with our fans. So <laughs> they, they really come to us with that. Uh, I just say they're going to get that genuine kind of content, knowing that we will never know them. That's mm-hmm. it, except for the p- the people that we've met in real life. Yeah, except for all of, <laughs> all of those and the relationships except we've formed all and all that sort of stuff. But apart from that. Oh, have you ever seen uh, have you ever seen the movie The Fan, Shen? No, I haven't. It's like it's a 1996 uh, movie with um, Robert De Niro and Wesley Snipes, and it's about a um, uh, Wesley Snipes is like a pro baseball player. It's like a thriller where um, Robert De Niro is like an obsessive fan who thinks that he knows the baseball player really well and like desperately <sighs> wants to insert himself into his life. Oh shit! That that reminds me of Taxi Driver. The one of the like <laughs> early like luminaries of that sort of thing. Yeah, I have seen Taxi yeah. Driver. Um, but um, I mean, uh, you know, Taxi Driver is is a really good example of, um, you know, somebody just Im- imposing their ideas of a relationship on other people. But in the yeah, in the case of the fan, you know, a huge part of it is is him just imagining that he knows this person really well and coming to the defense of him in increasingly uh, creepy and violent ways. I recommend it. Good flick. Tony Scott, R.I.P. I need to watch uh, it. I've been thinking about doing a review series just on like parasocial movies. Like I've never seen Perfect Blue. That one's come a lot, come up a lot. The Satoshi Kon movie. Um, and there are a bunch of others that I want to... Like, and there's a new horror movie on Netflix called Cam, about like a cam girl. That seems to be parasocial stuff that looks really interesting, but I haven't watched that either. Very nice. Well, uh, on that note, folks, you can find Shannon on Twitter at uh, Plenty of Alcoves. You can find her on YouTube at Strucci Movies. 
um, and you can watch these this series of videos that we've been talking about. And if you like that material and would like to help Shannon produce more, um, you can support her on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Strucci Movies. Um, which I think at the moment is set up in the way where people sort of subscribe and the, the money sort of comes out when you release a video as opposed to like monthly or whatever. It's per, it's per video. So yeah. I actually have to make something yeah. so, um, <laughs> to get paid. Yeah, so get over and get over there and support it. It is Thank great you. stuff. Uh, obviously, we will link all of this stuff up in the episode. Um, and to do our own plugging for our beautiful... Uh, ad-free show if you would like an extra episode every week you can go on over to our patreon patreon.com forward slash bunta vista only five bucks a month and what's five dollars for a delicious gigantic meal of oh, spaghetti fuck. pizza come on mm. <laughs> mm. mamma mia <laughs> we're back in the kitchen mind palace eating weird food <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Everybody, please uh, check out Shannon all over the internet. And um, we will see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.